Don't worry. We've spoken about the importance of investing in our happiness. Happiness isn't just something that comes from outside. Uh, we have to find it within us and we have to direct ourselves towards it. Uh, we need to insulate ourselves from the causes of un unhappiness and sadness. There are many things that we can and should do to be able to access the forces of happiness and joy within us. Investing in happiness means that we uh, are willing to put certain things at risk. That's what an investment means. And today we look at what that means. Uh, what do we need to put at risk in order to invest in our happiness? And, and how much risk are we expected to invest uh, in order to uh, attain that happiness? Uh, the Gemara that we're working with on Daphne Gimelamad Aleph is an interesting uh, exploration of the similarities between the 14th of Nisan, the day before Pesach, and the days of Chol HaMoed. The days of Chol HaMoed is the subject of this, of this Masech that we're learning at the moment, and we know that there are certain things we're not allowed to do during Chol HaMoed. What's interesting is that they're almost the same as the things that we're not allowed to do on the 14th of Nisan. And so the Gemara is attempting to draw certain parallels and to learn uh, one from the other to understand what it is that we can't do on the 14th of Nisan by studying what it is that we can't do on uh, Chol HaMoed. Until Rav Ashi intervenes in the conversation, and the conversation is taking place uh, over, over many, many years in the in the Gemara, even generations, and we know Rav Ashi is right at the end of the period of the Amoraim. So as this conversation has evolved over a long period of time, Rav Ashi intervenes and says, El Rav Oshi Moed Karamit. Are you trying to make ask questions from Chola Moed onto the 14th of, of Nisan as if they're the same concepts, the same ideas, that isn't so. And we see from here one of the principles that Ravashi is demonstrating is how in learning we have to be able to discern and distinguish between things that look very similar, just as we have to be able to find similarity in things that might be very different. And so although Chol HaMoed and the 14th of Nisan are similar in the laws that apply to them, Ravashi teaches us that they're actually founded on two very different principles. Mo'ed mishum tirchahi. The underlying principle of chola mo'ed is not to do things that are troublesome, that are burdensome, things that can distract us from our yomtif. And therefore, the mekom pseder sharu rabon, and the rabbis allowed it in areas where there is loss. Uh, and we'll discuss why that is. But the 14th of Nisan, the reason you're not allowed to do work on, on the 14th of Nisan is not because it's Yom Tif or Cholamoyed or anything like that. It's just to create the, the, the free time to be able to do all the many things that one has to do for Pesach. In the time of the Pesach Mikdash, there was the sacrifice, the Korban Pesach that was brought on the afternoon of the 14th. And even today, there's so much to do uh, in terms of preparation for Pesach that the uh, Torah, the Chazal, wanted us to clear our schedules on the 14th of, of Nisan so that we're free and available to do what we need to do for Yom Tif. Um, so the, the prohibitions of work on the 14th of Nisan is to enable us to work for Yom Tif, whereas the prohibitions of work during Chol HaMoed are for a different reason altogether. Uh, and therefore, on the 14th, midi detzorich yom tov, shalurabon, anything which is for the purpose of preparing for Pesach, you can do on the 14th. Midi delav tzorich yom tov, but things that are not for the purpose of yom tov, lo shalurabonon, the rabbonon haven't allowed. 
the the Ritvo is the the main piece of what we're going to learn today. The Ritvo is a really important rishon. All the rishonim are important, but the Ritvo is, is significant because there's a later rishon, his 13th century, beginning of the 14th century in Spain, and he has access to everything that's been before. Uh, so he is a, a Talmud, is a student of the Rashbo, um, and through that he gains access to the Ramban's thinking. He also knew the Rambam's thinking. He's a student of the Ra'o. He knew the Baalei Tosfos. He knew the school of Rashi and the school of the Tosfot. Uh, he knew the Rif. He was able to bring all this together. He was also a conceptual thinker, a philosopher. And so he's able to bring the, the, the conceptual thinking into, into his work. And he writes very beautifully and very clearly uh, and is therefore so critically important in our understanding of, of Shas, of the Talmud. And on this piece... Uh, he mentions a Rashi which we don't have, uh, which is again an indication that the Rashi that we have on Moed Katan is not Rashi at all, but it is Rabbeinu Gershom. Rabbeinu Gershom is, uh, is Rashi's Rebbe's Rebbe, Rashi's teacher's teacher. Rashi studied under Rabbi Yaakov ben Yakar, who was a Talmud of Rabbeinu Gershom. Um, and Rabbeinu Gershom is really the origin of, of European Torah as it developed in the time of Rashi and later in the time of Tosfot. So Rabbeinu Gershom is very important, but the but the Rashi that, that we have is not Rashi. The Rashi that is published on some Gemaras on the side from the manuscripts, that seems to be the real Rashi. And this is one of the ways we know that the Rashi that we have on Moed Katan is not the Rashi because the Ritva quotes Rashi and we don't find it in our Rashi, we find it in the, later, in the manuscripts that were discovered later on. And he, he explains that Ikar Hatan, the things which the Mishnah and the Gemara specify as being forbidden on the 14th of Nisan are things which people tend to leave until the last minute, but they're things which are needed for Yom Tov. And therefore, one is allowed to do those things, but nothing else. Um, and so also anything which is needed for, for Yom Tov, one is allowed to do. But when it comes to Chol HaMoed, it's very different. Shahara in time isuran shaveh. Because the underlying principle, the reasons for the prohibitions of Cholamoid and of um, the 14th of Nisan are different. Because in the case of Cholamoid, it's not just preparing for Yom Tov. It is that, that at some it is loss which has to be prevented. The underlying principle of Cholamoid is you've got to be focused on Yom Tov, not working, except those things which would cause a loss. And the reason, says the Ritvo, is The reason that you're allowed to avoid loss and go to work just to prevent loss uh, on Cholamoed is not a financial, it's not a commercial reason. It's an emotional reason. What we're concerned about is that you're going to sit at home and not going to work, worried about what you're losing by not being at work. And so we would rather that you go to work and take care of what you need to take care of and then come home and, and focus on, on Yom Tov properly. Because he says the 14th of Nisan is not to minimize uh, work because it's a regular weekday, you can do work. And the reason for the 14th is just to take care of Yom Tov. Not so when it comes to Chol HaMoed. There, the reason is to, to clear the mind and to clear the heart, to make it available for Simchat Yom Tov, for the joy and the pleasure of Yom Tov. You've got, as we've learned, the creating space 
part of the creating space for joy is not allowing your mind to be preoccupied with what you could or should be doing to be avoiding a loss in, in business. And what's really interesting here is it's not about the quantum of loss. So we've learned already that if you're losing capital, that's something you're allowed to take care of on your on, cholamoyed. On but if it's just that you're losing the potential for profit, that you're not allowed to take care of on cholamoyed. On, on but if you look at the amounts, it's, it's really so interesting. So if you are concerned that you could be making $100 million of profit, you're not allowed to worry about that on cholamoyed. You, you, you don't work for that reason. But if there's the possibility of losing $10 of capital, you can work. And if in order to save the $100 million of, of, of uh, profit, in order to acquire that $100 million of potential profit, you only need to go to work for an hour or two and you can possibly do that. But in the case of uh, avoiding loss, even if you have to go to work for 10 hours in order to lose a loss of $100, uh, you're, you're allowed to do that. So it's not about the quantum because we're dealing with emotions. And what we learn here is that we can get over the worry of loss of potential. We can understand because we don't know for sure we're going to, that that potential is going to be realized. If we knew for 100% sure that it was going to be realized, then it's like loss of capital. Um, rather, we're concerned only where there, where there is loss of capital. So what we learn from these laws of Cholamoyed is that a human being is expected to overcome his concerns about if I went to work, I could be making more. What I could be doing, what I should be doing is something we can master and we can say, but right now I'm focused on my family. Right now I'm focused on Yom Tif. Right now I'm focused on joy and pleasure. And that requires to me, me to be fully present in where I am. That's my investment. Investing in joy means I put aside the concerns of what I could or should be doing. However, when we're dealing with loss, that's something that is very powerful. Even if it's loss of a small thing, you know what it's like if you lose a pen or a pencil or keys. Uh, not the end of the world. It's just a little thing, but we get so irritated when we lose something. The fear of loss, as we've discussed in the last few days, is something very deep in the human being goes back to the time of, of the loss of Gan Eden, when we lost Gan Eden, when, we, when humankind was lost the opportunity to live in, in Gan Eden, that loss, that pain of loss is embedded so deeply in our DNA that we will do anything to avoid that feeling of loss. And Chazal recognized that. And it's unreasonable to ask a person to be in the present moment when he's losing, and he knows that he's losing, and he knows he could do something about that loss. So rather, the Chamim said, go and attend to your loss, take care of it, so that when that's done, you can be fully focused on Yom Tov. But if what you're worried about is making profit, that's something you can put aside and you can invest that potential loss of profit in your joy of the present moment. And we need to be able to do that. We need to be able to separate out what we could and should be doing and what we're actually doing at the moment. If it's not a physical loss that we're taking care of, we can apply our minds and our hearts and our attention to the people around us and to what we're doing in the moment so as to fully benefit from the simcha of the moment.